Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are getting um, into a different type of, uh, you know, consumer-related uh, discussion, and uh, that's uh, around the state um, of hunger in South Africa. Uh, we often talk about um, the state of the economy, you know, the fact that uh, things, uh, things shrunk last year, and the fact that we were struggling to grow before we got into um, the period of lockdown and um, you know things like unemployment are well um, are well articulated around you know nearly one in two people uh, being without a job but you know subsequently what does that actually mean and one of the issues that does happen is that uh, some people find themselves actually going hungry or not having enough food uh, to actually put on the table which is you know a basic and we're going to be talking about why this this is is this you know just an issue of uh, disposable incomes is this an issue of uh, employment you know who should be responsible for addressing all of these things uh, public private sector ngos who is there and to help us to unpack this is someone who's trying to address this issue and we are joined by isaac uh, chalumbira who is uh, the ceo of lion share as well as uh, uh, the co-founder and a funder for a non-profit organization called uh, one more foundation and they actually focus on alleviating hunger uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, what type of approach is needed uh, but I'm quite interested to understand how big um, of a problem this is um, you know just so that we can get you know some understanding of what's going on Isaac greetings to you today yes Mudiwa. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. I think a good place for us to start um, is, uh, you know, usually we'd like to get um, a sense of the organizations that we're dealing with. And right now uh, we're talking about the One, uh, the one Moment uh, Foundation. Uh, but maybe a brief intro, you know, just around uh, who, who, the background that you're coming from, because you're sort of straddling that line between, uh, you know, operating, you know, in the uh, NGO space, but at the same time uh, operating in the private sector, you know, and why you think this is something that you wanted, um, you know, to tackle. Okay. All right. So my, my, my uh, uh, brief intro would be, uh, I actually started One Moment Foundation, I will say informally, sort of 15 years ago, and then kind of formalized it about uh, uh, three, four years ago, basically out of a need, a need that I saw as my business called Lionshare, Lionshare Holdings, uh, through our investments, especially in properties downtown Joburg. I just found a need for, you know, I, I met a lot of hum homeless people in the evening, and in the mornings, you'd find these people actually, you know, scrambling in, in, in beans, et cetera. That then really touched my heart probably about 2005. And started a soup kitchen that then morphed into a, a soup kitchen that was feeding two, 300 people. And then over time, I found it was actually a, a, a requirement to actually set up a infrastructure, which I then, with my wife, we kind of formed a One Moment Foundation which is based really on the three basic needs, you know, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which is basically the shelter, 
uh, uh, hunger and then education. No, it sounds like, uh, you know, something, uh, and, and I completely understand, especially, you know, relating the story that you did to say that, you know, you're operating in these areas, but, um, you know, though you're in the property business, you do start observing, um, you know, certain things in the, you know, in the area. Perhaps that's a good place for us to then get into, you know, that discussion about hunger, right? Because as much as we talk about the place of the economy where we are right now, we need growth, we need jobs, all of this stuff. We don't really seem to, you know, talk that much about some of these second order consequences that, you know, that result uh, from the economy being where it is. So maybe you could um, give us a little bit of color just around what, you know, hunger looks like in South Africa, if you have um, any, any statistics or any figures from the work that you've been doing. So if I mean, you know, there's a very uh, poignant place to start, right? To say uh, hunger in South Africa is a, a big remnant of unemployment, right? An economy that's basically growing below inflation tells us we are going backwards. So the unemployment is probably one big contributor. But the other bigger contributor is the Gini coefficient. We know in South Africa, we're probably the most unequal society in the world before or after Brazil. So the remnants of, of that is a metamorphosis of what we now see, see in downtown Jobek and some areas, uh, especially in the squatter camps, mm. where hunger and uh, homelessness are very, very acute. Mm. And from what you've seen, what, what, are, what are some of the numbers like? Hunger in South Africa is really between sort of families that are two and a half million families are said to be hungry in South Africa, which mm. equates to about plus minus 10, 10, 10 million people who in a day, probably have one or no meal at all. Mm. So it's actually a really, a really serious, serious challenge for all of us. I was actually going to ask, I like the fact that you did, uh, I guess, characterize to say that we're talking about families that have one meal or less in a day, um, to actually say, um, because with things like the Gini coefficient as well as the poverty line, uh, the poverty datum line, we usually have like some set standard. Are there any standards to actually, um, you know, outside of the one that you've just given, or is that the definition that we use uh, to say that someone is uh, hungry or food insecure? Well, I'm probably not an absolute subject matter expert, so I'm kind of a, a business person who says, Anyone who doesn't have a dollar in their pocket per day probably can't eat anything, you know, to suffice themselves. So if you take uh, even across Africa and you're talking about people who survive below a dollar a day, you know, a good percentage of the 10 million people that I'm talking about in South Africa are probably in that uh, below that margin. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I guess from that point of view, then it, uh, yeah, it becomes quite a serious thing. And, um, I like how you characterize to say that, you know, if you don't have a dollar, uh, then it, it's unlikely that, um, you'll be able to, to buy anything because, you know, a dollar is like what, 15 rand and there's very yeah, little. Yeah. There's a lot of bread. Yeah. There's very little that can be done, um, you know, on that type of money. And especially if you're trying to feed a family um, or a household, it becomes, um, you know, very tough. Now, what I'm interested in is the model that you guys have come up with um, when it comes to, you know, um, addressing this thing. Could you talk to us, um, you know, a little bit about that? But more importantly, the rationale. Uh, to actually decide on the model that you're going to use um, with the One Moment Foundation. Yeah, so One Moment Foundation, the way initially we started was kind of, you know, my company, you know, kind of uh, a, a funding that uh, soup kitchen with downtown. 
But as the need arose, we also found that people, you know, people who are hungry also don't have transport or means to get to us. So we started actually aggregating, finding a model where we are, we aggregate the food, right, between our own resources and other partners, like uh, SA Harvest, for example, who basically repurpose food in the fresh food uh, uh, markets and uh, food they get from uh, other retailers who donate so we are become we become a central aggregator of that uh, food and then we through our resources then transport them to places like Naledi in Soweto Beria and Hilbro so we then found uh, local you know local people of goodwill right in their own community who understand the hunger who is hungry in this in in these uh, you know lo- uh, locations who then basically are able to then share the food with those people so the ours then our model is really a, a two elements is one reduce the cost of r- running this uh, foundation you know to absolute bare, bare minimum and then take the resources to where the the need is rather than us having a, a big uh, operating structure with an operations manager and the distribution manager etc which actually then takes up the mega resources that mm. we have I'm, I'm i'm quite interested to maybe interrogate that a little bit because um, there's, uh, I guess it's sort of assumed uh, that when you are dealing with something like this, uh, people will be giving, you know, whatever resources they have um, over to those that don't, right? Sort of, uh, yeah, sort of on, I can almost say on that donation type of basis, right? To say that those without food, um, you know, we're going to gather what we can and then we'll do it, um, maybe a soup kitchen and that, you know, the recipients, um, don't, you know, don't pay anything. Uh, but, you know, if you'll, inter- if you'll indulge me for a moment, um, from a sustainability point of view, um, how do you see something that's long term? Uh, because people are unemployed, because people have so much pressure on their pockets and all of that stuff. Um, do you think it's sustainable, you know, continuing in a sense where you try to drive down the cost for the people that are providing the meals? Or do you find some type of a, a middle ground where you also then um, ask the recipients to pay a little bit, but you bring down the cost for them as well, you know, just so that it's something that can, you know, move on into the future. Well, since this is business day, let me then put it in the context of uh, (laughs) (laughs) corporate social responsibility, because most companies kind of, you know, hand over the money to an organization. So we've decided to actually get involved and start an organization based on a need in our, you know, micro environment, right? So, the, yeah. sustain, so the sustainability of one moment is basically backed by my company. So if you take the yeah. corporate res- responsibility fund that uh, most companies would donate to someone, we've taken that money, created a foundation, and put up the infrastructure to run the foundation. Right? So the foundation is funded mm-hmm. by us from that operation. But in order for our <clears throat> run to go an extra month, we're then collaborating with uh, people like SA Harvest, who aggregate the food. So instead of me or oh. our lion share funding, you know, the need to go to the uh, fresh food markets to go and buy the uh, cabbage and the carrots, etc., we are we get uh, that donation on a weekly basis from or uh, from SA Harvest as their partner, right? We then aggregate the food and then distribute it to those uh, what I call informal NGOs and local uh, social organizations that are actually benefiting the, the, the people that actually need the food. 
So from mm. a sustainability okay. that lion's share is almost kind of underwriting the, the foundation from an operation, right? But two, uh, the yeah. principle is that we don't want a very complicated, convoluted structure that then eats up the rand and, you know, take rand and then you only end up distributing 50 cents, you know, because we've got this convoluted yeah. structure. And three, there are lots of yeah. goodwill people in, in the township and in these local communities who know where people are hungry. They can efficiently yeah. then distribute, you know, in this, their streets within their communities. Right? In that way, we actually want to reduce costs and two, get food to people that actually need it. Mm. Yeah. I guess part of the reason why I was uh, uh, I was exploring that mm. um, in my mind is because one, you know, tries to think about um, things from a sustainability point of view to just say, if this is a, if this is a model that, uh, you know, Lionshare and One Moment have been able to come up with, yes. you know, is it something that could be replicated, yes. you know, in other parts of the country just so that you have a more collective approach, you know, to addressing the issue. And it's not just, you know, yourselves yes. that are, you know, working in this uh, particular silo and that you have that uh, um, because you need to have a collective effort, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not something that one person or one organization is going to be able um, to to fix. Uh, so, I, so, so for me, it was just about you know the the uh, that ability to replicate the model in other places. Well, actually, I mean, it's a, it's a very good point. So, I guess the learning from what Lionshare and One Moment Foundation are doing is actually to share with everyone that it's actually doable. Because the way uh, one moment is ended, ended up, you know, kind of uh, touching, they say, plus minus 500 people on a daily basis with access to food was because we found a local need in a local area we understand and the dynamics, et cetera, and then created in what a structure that's sustainable. One, two, the corporate social responsibility fund, instead of us throwing it into some pot with some other structure, we can actually impact the people in and around us. And I would even go step forward and say, I mean, even the crime around us, you know, in uh, the business, you know, the properties that we own, downtown Jobek, which is actually significantly lower than I think if we did not, you know, reach out and uh, help the the needy now in our in our in our microcosm mm -hmm. per se. That's actually that's actually an interesting development to say that you know, as you're addressing that one issue you're then able to impact, you know, some of the other downstream effects that come from um, some of those issues like, you know, the bigger issue where we began the conversation, which would be, you know, um, unemployment um, as well as, uh, yeah, yeah, unemployment as well as that Gini coefficient. Um, but I think, you know, just the fact that you guys have taken it upon yourselves, um, you know, you took it upon yourself in the way that you did to come up with this model, to open up a soup kitchen, um, all of that does you know, uh, ask that uh, that bigger question because right now we're living in a time where um, issues of ESG, um, you know, environmental, social governance, it's really becoming a big theme, um, you know, right now. And uh, that thing of being a good corporate citizen or, you know, impacting your area, a, a lot of people are, you know, taking that on board. A lot of investors are asking, you know, companies to be, you know, more and more on that front. How do you ensure that this is not something that um, at least, you know, with yourself, you know, one can tell that this is something you're passionate about, but, you know, with others that get involved, how do you ensure that it's not something that simply becomes a tick box exercise to say, okay, CSR, yeah. we've done the thing, you know, yeah. tick, we move so, on. Yeah. So, so I guess uh, what uh, One Moment Foundation and the structure that we are discussing and sharing 
is actually just sharing as a, as a business leader, right? To say we as business leaders can do more than just uh, while taking the box and giving, you know. So yes, some, some businesses might not have the way and about in the infrastructure to do what we, we, we have done. But for me, the lesson would be look a little bit more and more local, you know, you know, the, the big organizations are, you know, some of them, yes, function and they function well, like, uh, you know, uh, a foot forward and people, people like that who are actually much bigger. But I'm, I'm, the model I am talking about is two elements. One, small and medium enterprises, let's say of a turnover, sort of, of give or take a hundred million can actually do, uh, corporate social responsibilities in their local, you know, by finding these NGOs that actually touch, uh, people and customers and the different variables that are actually either a challenge that they can address without needing to say, Oh no, I'm only a, a medium-sized business, I might have to wait, wait for Standard Bank to do the big things. Me, we, we can't do it. The share for me, I guess, in this uh, uh, interview is actually to encourage, to say small and medium, especially medium-sized businesses can actually take their CSI budget, look around themselves and see what need is around. Because by us uh, resolving issues like now, we're talking about hunger, right? By actually dealing with some challenges in and around your business, you'll find that the impact of whatever you do is a, a ripple effect, positive ripple effect in your business. And also, I mean, if you involve, uh, we involve our employees, right? So our employees are in, involved. We do uh, blanket drives like a Mandela, you know, Mandela Day, 67 minutes. Right? And our employees then go downtown and give the homeless uh, blankets. The impact of that and the whole culture of Ubuntu and sharing then, you know, filters through into your organization and over t- over the long term, it is a positive impact to you and you are doing good in society. Mm. No, it certainly makes sense. And especially that, uh, you know, that approach, because um, I've said it a couple of times on this platform uh, that uh, when I was in, uh, I was at the Rhodes Business School back in the day, uh, the, there was a big push on sustainability. And it was just you know, teaching the fact that um, when you look at some of these issues, you need to think beyond the tick box uh, to say that you can create a win-win situation where you're not just looking at it as just money out um, all the time or just a budget that you're setting out uh, for this. It's something that can actually have, you know, knock-on positive effects, um, even um, for your own bottom line, you know, down the, you know, down the road. Um, I'm just thinking about, uh you know, something like what you were saying uh, about, uh, you know, crime in your own area. You know, the fact that you guys have become, you know, corporate citizens in your area, you know, sort of is helping your own business from, you know, those downstream effects. And I guess that's a good place for us to uh, spend some time as we round up, you know, about the responsibility, right? You are in the private sector, right? But, you know, this is something that affects uh, people across the board. So, from a responsibility point of view, you know, is the private sector, is it the government, is it, um, you know, the NGO sector? When it comes to solving some of these issues, you know, where do you see, especially uh, because you're interacting with uh, um, your fellow business leaders, uh, where do you guys see um, the responsibility lying or what are some of the conversations that are being had about this? So, Madiwa, for me, I, uh, my answer would be probably a little bit of uh, uh both of those three facets, right? Government has a role to play, and I would say South Africa is probably, if you look at the the 
the uh, social uh, network created by government, you know, through the grants, etc. I think that piece has been played, and I, we can see the impact even of the 350 rand, you know, especially in during this COVID period. That's the one. The private sector, nowadays, as you say, as a is, so I invest in, in mostly VCs, you know, uh, kind of mid-size, mid-size businesses. And my learning is actually, you know, to say to many uh, mid-size businesses, don't wait for the big corporates to do all the work because they can only do so much. We can also find ways to do it and to, to respond to the needs that are in and around your, 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 your own area. The third one, I guess the, I would say the evolution of uh, NGOs. I would say the same way that a business is, uh, uh, if I look at the technology, et cetera, how business today, you know, we don't wait for big business to make things happen. You see all uh, what's happening in the tech space. I think that opportunity with like, like what we're doing with aggregating uh, food to smaller, smaller, uh, 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 low cost type uh, impact, uh, uh, what I call partners, is to then for mid-sized businesses to actually take their 10,000 run, take your 20,000 run, look at where you can impact in your own local and your macro environment. Speak to your employees and find out what they need and where you can make impact. So that if you look at where we are, I mean, the riots in uh, 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 mid this year, I tell tell sign that there's a bigger macro social economic issue that we have, you know, and it's basically... Uh, could potentially be a burning platform if we all don't what, really galvanize to do two things. Government must create jobs and create the environment for, for us to create the jobs for people not to be hungry, right? But on the other hand, we all also in, in a way need to help our fellow men just across the street. Mm. No, I definitely uh, I'm with you yeah, on, on on that one, and especially a collaborative effort. Because when you're looking at such a big issue, it does take a concerted effort um, from various players across the board. Um, but you know, because uh, we are you know business focused and we are business day, one of the things I'm um, then curious about is you know how much should you know, be spent on this thing, right? Uh, because at least the government has gone and uh, quantified for itself to say that um, from a social grants point of view during COVID, they decided it was 350 rand per person. Um, and I think sometimes as companies, corporates, small businesses, medium ones, whatever it is, sometimes there is that discussion of, you know, how much is should be spent yeah you know out there is it is there guidelines on okay we need to take x amount from the top line or the bottom line or is it just you know whatever we can we'll give it you are you're actually touching this uh points in a very interesting way because what i also learned as i was because i started in a, a one moment a kind of informally you know take the money from the teal kind of thing, you know, take an, a, and then have a budget that we almost take it from the float and then the number gets bigger and then you need to formalize with an invoice and the supplier. And before we know it, right? So my HR manager says, no, but guess what? There is actually a, you know, the, the uh, government structure that allows you, you know, to donate and then through what they call, a, I think it's a section 18A certificate, right? Your company can actually donate and get that money back from your taxes. Right. So I actually think many companies have not explored this opportunity to say, no, if I look at my profits, if I donated X amount through an let's say, organization that formalized, that one addresses the need that I believe I can, one, I'm passionate about, and two, I can have impact. But basically, the 
the side is side not of it is that I can get more more probably most most of that money back anyway for my net profit taxes that I would otherwise pay to SARS. So in that way, you actually what funding a cause that all will have an impact, a cause that hopefully you are also passionate about. Three, this donation that you do is actually sustainable because you are able to what to recover it from your taxes. So in that way, your your ability to what to have your taxes instead of all going to government to actually uh, touch and have impact on things that you are either uh, passionate about or it's a cause that you can see the impact. And then going back to where we started, if we're addressing issues of hunger, I think many companies could actually uh, have a huge impact in their local locations and their, uh, people that touch their business directly or indirectly. Yeah, that that really does sound like one of those situations where, um, you know, you do talk of a win-win. That literally sounds like, um, you know, a win-win situation where um, there's a benefit, you know, on both sides. And then you can have a model where that thing becomes, you know, sustainable and something that can grow um, over time and keep addressing the issue. So, uh, you know, really great from there. Last point, and uh, I, you mentioned that you are investing in the technology companies and you guys have come up with this model um, as an aggregator for the food, etc. That strikes me like uh, like an opportunity for a platform of some sort. Is there a platform or am I, you know, thinking too far into the future? Well, you just, uh, I guess, planted a seed to someone who's listening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. So we're not currently using a platform, but right now I think you just planted a seed. There is an opportunity to actually aggregate, you know, using uh, tech. Yeah. All right. So that's been us. We were talking to Isaac uh, Chalumbira, who is the CEO of uh, uh, Lionshare. Uh, they are a company. He says that uh, one of the things that uh, they're doing, uh, they invest, uh, you know, they started out investing in things like property, uh, but he's also involved in uh, in the venture capital space, investing in some of these uh, technology companies. Uh, but he's also the co-founder and founder of um, uh, One Moment Foundation. And they are out there trying to alleviate hunger. Quite a fascinating discussion talking about some of the reasons why um, hunger tends to be um, as big of an issue as it is in South Africa. He attributed it at the beginning um, to issues of unemployment as well as uh, the inequality in uh, the society that's measured with that uh, Gini coefficient. Uh, but saying that there is um, a lot of room and scope for you know people across the board uh, where they're government or in the NGO sector and in the private sector to all get involved uh, and actually create a virtual cycle that actually, you know, will benefit the organizations themselves, uh, but, you know, more importantly, address, uh, you know, the societal issues, specifically um, hunger, which seems to be an issue that we don't um, often talk about, uh, but is a direct result of what's going on um, in the rest of the economy. Isaac, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mdiwa, and have a good day. And thanks, everyone. This is Mdiwa's Take. Hunger is one of those issues that uh, we honestly don't spend enough time talking about. It might seem uh, somewhat intuitive to say that um, with a high level of unemployment as well as um, you know increasing pressure on consumer uh, pockets and disposable incomes and all that, uh, that hunger would be an inevitable um, circumstance. But um, once again, it does provide opportunities uh, for people to create these social safety nets, um, you know, such
such as uh, you know what's going on uh, with one moment foundation but um outside of that i think the real opportunity um is what was uh, highlighted at the end to say that in certain cases you can create a model uh, they've created a model which is interesting on two fronts uh, one you've got the aggregator bit um which means you get to work with the number of people you know for your uh, for your particular effort but at the same time it's something that you can then you know work with government on because you know those are your taxes at work right and then get that money back because at the end of the day uh, taxes are meant to address um, you know you know public spending and the societal issues so if you can be it makes sense that if you are directly you know doing something in that regard uh, that you should be able to create that type of model where you do get your money back reinvest it and actually grow the effort uh, so it becomes you know a, a model where you can address a real challenge and the real issue that's affecting um, you know thousands millions across the country uh, quite scary the numbers that Isaac was giving about the number of households um, in South Africa that are affected by hunger um, and for each one of those because if you're measuring by household, then it means that uh, from a people point of view, you then multiply by at least, you know, three, four, five, uh, depending on the average size of a household to sort of show the impact of how many South Africans are are being affected uh, by this issue um, of hunger going forward. But it's not something that uh, is going to be solved by just one model, one company, one organization. It really does require innovative thinking from um, a number of different players that are actually serious. Um, what we need to really move away from is tick box exercise type of thinking, especially at a time where ESG is really coming to a fore. I'm glad that it's coming to a fore, uh, but but at the same time, one hopes that people are actually serious about it and not just doing it because it's what's trendy at the moment. But as long as people are serious about it and actually invest, uh, then we can go a long way to you know, solving some of these issues. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.